Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 92 of Scar Bearers. 92. What a great year to graduate. I'm Chris DT Gordon. It is fantastic to have you here with me today and helping me out on the production side are Nate and Britton Barron. If you want them to work their magic on your projects, reach out to them at Nate Barron. Folks, we're going to get right to it. I have a new friend who uh, we're going to move past the collegiate rivalry part. His name is Adam Weber. Adam, how are you today? Hi, how are you doing? Doing well, Chris, thank you, sir. Doing well. Well, it's great to have you here. And so, Adam, you and I are both public speakers. But actually, aside from that and the fact that we like to share the mess, which is our message, we have a lot of different uh we, we differ in many things. Uh, uh, alma maters, first of all, you know, we have a collegiate rivalry and you live in just outside of New York where there is a lot of COVID closings as of this recording. I live in New Orleans, Minnesota, where things are still pretty much open, actually. And so it's, uh, it's we're, we're quite in two different worlds but we still have our struggles that we go through. And, and Adam, if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to hear you share your story. Well, Chris, thank you for that. About 14 years ago, I was having a lot of uh, issues um, health-wise. And uh, I'm in my 50s now, so I was in my late 30s. And I was having friends who were having surgery for different things. And I'm the son of a doctor. I was going from doctor to doctor, uh, trying to figure it out. And... Um, you know, I, I had torn the, because of bad walking and running and stuff. Um, and, and I didn't know about my condition. Then I ended up having my, um, the, my knee operated on because I had a bad knee. And then, uh, about a year, a year and a half after that, I had a herniated disc in my back. Um, so I had surgery for that. And cause it was, was bad enough that it needed surgery. And when I, a top neurologist from uh, one of the top Ivy League uh, institutions uh, based here in New York uh, was doing the operation and found lesions on my spine, which turned out to be primary progressive multiple sclerosis. Oh, wow. A, debil a debilitating disease. The, and well, well, no multiple sclerosis is good. Primary mm. progressive is the worst type of it all. It's again, not just the most progressive, it's the most debilitating. And until about six, seven years ago, I, there was really very little in the way of medication that would help slow the progression. So while I did get on the top med at the time, or what was recognized as a top medication at the time, the progression still accelerated. And um, it becomes debilitating. And I'm married. I have two children, home here in New York. So it made things and, and a career in commercial real estate in New York City. It made things very difficult. And it still does to this day, although I've learned to adapt. And so how have those uh, adaptations come about? Well, not by, this, not by choice, but by necessity. As far mm -hmm. as walking, first I was able to walk and then I walked with a little limp and I thought to myself, all right, well, I won't run anymore. I'm okay with that. Still lifting weights a lot and doing a lot of things. And then I was using a cane 
and the cane, I wasn't happy about it. And, and you know, but people and people always had questions. They're like, what's a young, because I don't look as old as I am. And people were saying to me, what's a young guy like you? In fact, a doctor had said that to me because I was going to a yoga class um, regularly here in New York. And then when I told him, I could just see the look in his eyes because he knew what the disease was. Um, didn't discuss it with him because he wasn't my doctor. But the more I found out about it and the more I knew about it, um, I, you know, I learned to come to the realization it was something I had to live with. Mm. So it's been, it's been a, uh, a tough road, yes, physically, but more emotionally because I went from athlete to and somebody that was highly highly busy physically to somebody not even close to that anymore. Mm. And so you say you're an athlete. What sport? You sound like you were a runner like me. You know, uh, besides running, what else did you do? In particular, lacrosse, okay. and and also because I grew up with a pond in my backyard, and I grew up in an area on Long Island where there were lots of uh, rinks. I played hockey as well. Okay. And, and then I found, I mean, there were, you know, for somebody who was skating since I was a little kid, when my balance started to go, because it does go with MS, mm -hmm. skating became more difficult. Uh, and even before I had MS and I thought to myself, ah, like every, like the doctors, you know, I had one doctor at, at a very well-known hospital um, in Maryland, let's, without saying the name, um, who said to me, you're just getting old. Because as, as the son of a doctor, I was getting sent around to the best doctors in New York, the best doctors in the region. Uh, my wife also went to the University of Pennsylvania and Columbia. So we had access to doctors at those schools, um, at those, those, uh, those hospitals, uh, which are both world renowned. And I had to come to the realization that you know, the drugs and the treatments were only so good. Um, so it was something It was, you know, it's like getting your legs cut out from underneath you. Um, yeah. Because listen, while I've had loss of sensation and a difficulty with one of my arms and that sort of thing, it's very different when you lose the ability to walk and yeah. walk well. I mean, it's everything. Yeah, it is a, and we don't realize how huge of a deal it is when you can't walk until you, as you said, you lose that function. So when you were feeling like you were being inundated with these, you know, this medicine, where did you turn? Um, well, stress had always been an issue for me. And I worked in the corporate world in New York City for more than two decades. So while at first, I was okay with medication, thinking it was normal, being told it was normal by relatives, including my father, grandfather. Um, I wanted a drug-free approach because I was taking so many pills. And then with MS, I started taking even more pills. Um, so I started meditating. Mm. And I learned to meditate. And then I joined a couple of meditation groups where I would go once a week. I would participate in group meditations and, and meet up with people and developing my habit. 
my meditation habit, my meditation practice. And um, while I love, I, you know, I love meditation. It's, it not only cuts the edge, it's a drug-free approach. It's one less medication that I have to take every day too. And so, frankly, you're a lot healthier when you're not taking medications. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And so when you started this meditation, for example, say if I wanted to start a practice similar or exactly like what you were doing, how would that go about for me? How, how does it start to be, become a beginner practitioner of meditation? Well, the way I did it and the way some people do it is they, they look up things online, they read magazines, they pick up the typical Deepak Chopra type meditations, things like that, um, or some of the other, the other, I went to a local, like I said, there was a group, but it was a lot more spiritual. It was a lot more rooted in a Buddhist transit uh, tradition versus a kind of, as I call it, you know, a plain rapper meditation. Uh, and that's why I, I had started my own practice, my own type. I, I, I don't like to use the term necessarily dumbed it down, but I dumbed it down, meaning I, I took the spirituality out of it. I took the woo-woo out of it and um, changed my life. So if I were to start practicing, and I don't want you to reveal all your techniques and tricks, but you know what is an example of a sample meditation that a beginner would use? Well, first is really learning how to breathe correctly. Breathing in through your nose, breathing out through your mouth. It's a breathing, learning to sit, learning to be quiet, learning to be with your own self and to be peaceful with yourself. Um, and learning to just let it all go. Um, again, there's no mantras. There's no woo-woo. There's nothing except really just slowing down, breathing in, breathing out, closing your eyes, and just really calming down. And so I know people think, oh, breathing, that's, you know, we do that without thinking. But how much in the in maybe in the first month or so had that changed your life just from that simple practice? Well, you start noticing, you know, results right away. Not the all the results. I mean, you know, they, they differ. But then after about a month, month and a half, you really start noticing the differences. You really start noticing that you're a lot more calm. You're a lot more centered. I think you really notice it too, and other people tell you how you seemed a lot more calm down. Um, you don't see, they don't see the anxiety. They don't see the, uh, the stress in your face, in your eyes. Um, they see you as a calm person, but you feel calm as well. And it, it really, you become much more centered from the practice itself. So with this new calm demeanor that you developed, how did that translate to, uh, were you working, you said you working as um, in the real estate you know, business, 
how is that affecting your uh, your relationships with your your uh, clients, your contemporaries, whether they be colleagues or competitors? Well, you know, the relationships got a lot better. It was a lot more centered, a lot more focused. Uh, that's one thing that practicing meditation does for you because it does calm you down. It does quiet your mind. So it was something that um, I really enjoyed. I really, my, my coworkers enjoyed. They told me how they saw the difference in me. My work got better. I was making more money. Mm. I wasn't as stressed out at work. I was able to work a little longer. I was a little able to be a little bit more focused. And contemporaries were saying to me, what are you doing? What's changed? And then when you talk to them, most people's perception of meditation is all, there's a lot of woo-woo involved. When frankly, that was something I've got rid of. Uh, I, like I said, I don't utilize any of the woo-woo. I don't do any of the focus. For me, it's a non-religious, non-spiritual practice. Yeah, it seems very centered in the biology of the body. You know, just, ba just basic breathing, getting in tune to what your body is telling you in order to acclimate to this, you know, to your environment. That's what I'm getting from, from what you're saying, Adam. Yeah. So, yeah. So say if someone were interested in pursuing this for themselves, how would they go about reaching out to you or finding more about your, your practice? The first place to look would be to be my website, meditationnotmedicine.com. Uh, people could also go to places like YouTube. I have a Facebook group, things like that. Um, or they can reach out to me directly. But the best way, especially the way that's really become more, it's been a better way is during COVID, um, is people reaching out online. You don't have to reach, you know, you don't have to speak to people in person, meaning, you know, face to face. Uh, in a studio or while I did more public speaking before and training, now people are very fearful and people are, people are fearful to go to the local restaurant, the local diner. And um, so I work with people online. I work with people through a digital course. I do different things like that. You know, as you mentioned with COVID, you know, I guess making a comeback with the Omicron variant, it is becoming like 2022, like 2020 also. Um, so yeah, having those digital or online channels is very helpful. And especially when you live in New York and I say I live in Minnesota and other people, you know, obviously people live all around the world, being able to connect with people you know, online is so wonderful. And in fact, I'm very thankful for it as well. So as we, you know, as we look toward the future, what is next up for you, you know, with your, with your practice? I know you uh, had a recent injury that you're dealing with. Um, you know, I know you're probably handling that 
as well. Yeah, I, I have a recent injury that I'm dealing with that, frankly, um, I'm not supposed to be going out and doing too much for the next couple of months. So, mm. which the timing is kind of good because we're coming up when we're taping this, we're recording this, we're on a holiday time. We're getting close to a holiday and in the new year. Yep. And um, so a lot of things and with the occurrence of the Omicron variant, and I think there's another one out there uh, too, whatever it is, people are fearful. People are scared. Things are slowing down. This is a perfect time for people to realize that online is really the new frontier. It's been not that online hasn't been useful, but or pro, pre, prevalent, but it's going to become even more prevalent because, as I said, I I have clients that I deal with where they don't want to meet anymore face to face. They'd rather say, "Hey, let's get on Zoom. Let's get on Google Meets. Let's find something where half the time uh, you got people who are." wearing a dress shirt and it's kind of like being a news person and if they're sitting down they could wear a dress shirt and a tie and they could be wearing jeans or shorts um and nobody cares so it's been a lot more workable for a lot of people i think that's where we're going to go and i think you know people staying out of traffic people staying home or in an office that sort of thing where it's not full of people is only going to work to our advantage actually in the future, not a negative. Because you and I can speak and interact online and we don't have to go drive anywhere and meet up. For example, if I want to be on the news, for example, and I have been here in New York, I can do it digitally now while in the past when I did it in real estate, I had to go to an, an office, a studio, in northern New Jersey, I had to go sit in traffic for two hours to go sit with somebody for five minutes, only then to turn around and get back in the car and come high and come back to Westchester. A lot of people don't realize a lot of New York-based news is not actually based in New York. It's based hmm. in New Jersey. It's very okay. expensive. Well, there is, yeah, yes, there's news in New York. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. A lot of these studios are in northern New Jersey because it's a lot cheaper. All right. I uh, thank you. I never knew that. So that's very, that's quite interesting. But as some, as a teacher who's been teaching online for the past 10 years, I totally agree that it's, you know, we have found a way to do our work as, you know, as well as if not better than, you know, the brick and mortar schools. I have, I have not been in a physical IEP meeting because I'm a special education teacher by trade. For the past 10 years. And I am not ashamed to say that I have worn slippers more than once while teaching. Because my wife is a special education teacher as well. And she's okay. done the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, you know, yes, the internet is a wonderful thing when it's used for productive reasons, of course. So yep. Yeah, she's well, teaching with a dog right next to her. The dog's laying oh, really? at her feet. Yeah. Yeah. I have okay. my, my, uh, your dog too. My wife yeah, will occasionally my, yeah. show people pick the, the dog will be on Zoom or the oh, yeah. dog will get up and to go to sniff or kiss her. And people are like, oh, they see the dog all of a sudden show up on the screen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course, with kids, 
it's a little different because then they want to show their pets and it becomes a bit of a distraction, but still a fun distraction. So, yeah. well, Adam, you know, thank you so much for sharing your message, sharing your journey through, you know, MS and meditation, not medicine. And they, that's the website, correct? What meditation, not medicine.com. Yes, sir. Is there something, and you, I've, you've alerted to this before, but I just want to ask again, because I am a gratitude person. I have the attitude of gratitude right behind me. Is there something that you have found that you are grateful for that many people may not suspect of you? People who have known me for years would never have thought of me as a meditator. Somebody who would have, I'm grateful for having found meditation because it's changed my life. And frankly, it's helped me so much. I mean, I utilize it. Occasionally I have to go to a doctor's office or a hospital. Um, I'll be part of a new trial in early, you know, in 2022. Oh, wow. And um, so I know I'll be using meditation and mindfulness as I go through the process. It's not an easy process. Mm -hmm. Not at all. But I think through those tough times, those through, through those tough trials, we can find that gratitude and develop that resilience that we need to make it through those, those tribulations. Yeah, without a doubt. I'm very grateful for my wife. I'm grateful for my kids. You know, they give me the space to be who I am. Uh, they give me the space to do what I do. And um they like the Adam that's not so hotwired, the former mm -hmm. corporate Adam, that they like, they prefer the small business owner Adam. Because again, I can work from home. I'm not as crazy. I'm not traveling all over the country. I have friends who are now back on planes and I don't have to do that anymore. If I can't work with a client remotely via Zoom or another format, I don't do it anymore. I've had clients who said, I have a client who and it was right before the lockdown. I went down to Austin, Texas. And now nothing gets Texas, but I have no desire to get on a plane to go down there to meet with a client. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's a changing world, but you know, you got to learn how to change with it. And I'm so thankful that you have, it's, uh, you know, that's a blessing to be that flexible. And so it's great when you can respond versus react to things. Yes. Yeah. I, I, that's huge right there is respond, you know, responding, not reacting because it's a base, it's a base mechanism to react, but to yes, respond sir. requires thought and, you know, a connection to something other than your, your survival instincts. Correct. So Adam, I have my last question here. What is your favorite dinosaur? You know, I never really thought about that because I, I, I don't. I, I, I guess you would say, I mean, what if you would say, I'd probably say a Tyrannosaurus Rex. I, I, I mean, bigger and bolder. Um, I don't. Even my, I think even my kids got past that pretty quick. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't have anything like that. I'm more because I grew up on the North Shore of Long Island. I'm more of a, 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 um, a I don't want to say a, a sea guy versus something like that. So I'm big on sharks. So if there's okay. a dolphin, it's, if there's a, a, a dinosaur that's like a shark, then that probably, but the one that would 
probably resonate with me as the name is Tyrannosaurus Rex because it was big and it was bold. There you go. I was kind of thinking you'd go towards uh, Champ. I don't even know what that is. Lake Champlain. Isn't there a plesiosaur named Champ in Lake Champlain? Yeah, I, I'm really not. I'll tell you, I, I when I was spent my time in Ohio, I spent time on Lake Erie, but not okay. Lake, not on Lake Champlain. <laughs> there are a lot of things in Lake Erie. Oh, yes. I used to fish up there. <laughs> when I was able to, we were able to take the boat. I had a couple of fraternity brothers from my school out in Ohio, and we would go up to Lake Erie and um, and fish. But yep. no, I never, I never really thought, again, I'm a New Yorker big aquarium guy, things like that. So it was really always about the shark okay. um, more than anything. Very cool. And, you know, they are prehistoric. They, 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 yeah. they back year, you know, millions of years of Megalodon. Yeah. I've heard that they're, they're prehistoric, although I'm not, again, it's not really been my wheelhouse. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, Adam, it's been a pleasure to, to meet you and talk with you and, uh, you know, uh, best wishes on your journey and your recovery. And I hope people uh, check you out at meditationnotmedicine.com. Chris, I'm grateful for the time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, sir. And folks, if you want to check me out and find out more about the Attitude of Gratitude or TAG, you can find me at chrisdtgordon.com. You can download a free TAG one sheet. You can check out my merch store where I have shirts like my key phrase, pass on perfection and go for greatness. You can find out what articles I've written and some news articles I've been a part of and just connect with me. So maybe I can help you increase your gratitude, positivity, and resilience. With that, folks, thank you so much for joining us today. Please have a wonderful day. And remember, like the shirt says, to pass on perfection and go for greatness. Greatness.